Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6 reads, Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above, or on the earth below, or in the waters under the earth. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, Yahweh, your Elohim, am a jealous Elohim, punishing the children for the father's sin to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. From there, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 11 through 19. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 11 through 19. You came near and stood at the base of the mountain, a mountain blazing with fire into the heavens and enveloped in a dense black cloud. Then Yahweh spoke to you from the fire. You kept hearing the sound of the words, but didn't see a form. There was only a voice. He declared His covenant to you. He commanded you to follow the Ten Commandments, which He wrote on two stone tablets. At that time, Yahweh commanded me to teach you statutes and ordinances for you to follow in the land you are about to cross into and possess. Be extremely careful for your own good because you did not see any form on the day Yahweh spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. Not to act corruptly and make an idol for yourselves in the shape of any figure, a male or female form, or the form of any beast on the earth, any winged creature that flies in the sky, any creature that crawls on the ground, or any fish in the waters under the earth. When you look to the heavens and see the sun, moon, and stars, all the array of heaven, do not be led astray to bow down and worship them. Yahweh your Elohim has provided them for all people everywhere under heaven. May Yahweh bless His word to our hearts today. So today we're going to study the commandment concerning images and likenesses. In the King James Version, the first part of this commandment, the second commandment of the ten, reads, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything. If the only passage dealing with this subject in the whole Bible was Exodus 20 and 4 through 6, we might come to the conclusion that any images, statues, icons, paintings, drawings, etc., are forbidden. Some people throughout history have come to that conclusion, but others have read that same commandment and focused on the second part in the commandment where we read, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. This view says that it is okay to make an image so long as we do not bow down to that image or serve that image. The Orthodox Church along with the Roman Catholic Church, uses images and icons in their worship. They explain their use of images by saying that they are not worshiping the images. They are just venerating or honoring the images. They're honoring God or saints through the medium or the means of the image. An Orthodox believer, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, an Orthodox believer would say that you might carry with you a picture of your spouse or your children in your wallet, as it used to be common to do so nowadays on your phone. 
And if you are away from your family for an amount of time, such an image or a picture would mean a lot to you. I was putting this message together, the final touches of it today, and I remembered watching the movie Hacksaw Ridge where Desmond Doss, a Seventh-day Adventist man, joined the military, but he kept a picture of his sweetheart with him to look at while he was away on military service. So you might even kiss such a picture if you're away from someone that you love for a long time. But you know that the picture is not the person. You're not idolizing the picture. You're just using it to help you remember somebody that you love. Roman Catholics would be the same and maybe even go one step further than that. Some Orthodox believers would limit their images or their icons to two-dimensional icons. Paintings. In an Orthodox church, on the walls, you'd find paintings of Christ or paintings of saints who have died in the faith. Catholics would allow three-dimensional images or statues. You've probably seen a crucifix before. A cross with a statue of Christ hanging on the cross. And a Catholic believer would tell you that he or she is using this statue or this crucifix as a medium or means through which to worship the Christ. They would tell you, I'm not worshiping the statue, I'm only venerating or honoring the statue because it reminds me, puts me in thought of Christ on the cross. In history, some men in the Protestant Reformation, and by the way, whether you like this or not, we're products of the Protestant Reformation. Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, Episcopalians, all these. Some men in the Protestant Reformation reacted to the Roman Catholic view by removing all images and icons from their churches. One such Protestant, a Puritan, by the name of Thomas Watson, he lived in the 1600s A.D., he said this, quote, The church of Rome is reproved and condemned, which from the beginning of its religion to the end is wholly idolatrous. Romanists make images of God the Father, painting Him in their church windows as an old man and an image of Christ on the crucifix. And because it is against the letter of this commandment, they sacrilegiously blot it out of their catechism and divide the tenth commandment into two. Now, Thomas Watson... I love him, but I think he got a, bit, a, a little bit excited when he wrote that because it's not technically accurate. If you pick up a Catholic Bible translation, you will find that the commandment we read at the beginning of this lesson is there. Protestants sometimes bear false witness on Roman Catholics telling people that they blotted the second commandment out of their Bible or out of their catechism, and that's just not true. That is bearing false witness, and if you've told somebody that before, go back and and correct your mistake because that is breaking a commandment to lie on someone. The Catholics did not remove this commandment out of their Bible. What they do is they number the Ten Commandments differently. They see Exodus 20 verse 3 where we covered last week, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, and then thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. They see both of those as the first commandment. And then the second commandment to them would be, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, they would say. 
So they numbered the commandments differently. And they would explain the part about the graven images and likenesses as pertaining to worship and not just the making of the image. Thomas Watson, among others, reacted to Rome's theology of images and use of images and icons. They reacted to it to the extreme by removing all images from the church and worship setting. So even today, if you enter into a Protestant church, more of the high church theme like a Reformed Presbyterian or Reformed Baptist or something like that, um, churches that stem from the teaching of men like John Calvin or Ulrich Zwingli, people like that, you won't see any images or icons anywhere in the church. But if you walk into a Roman Catholic church or an Orthodox church, you would see quite a few images and icons. Should we take a position on this issue by simply reacting to another person's point of view? I think that sometimes we do that. I don't believe that it's right. Sometimes we see how people do things religiously and we don't like it. And we think that they're wrong and so we get as far away from their view as possible and we forget about studying the Bible to see what Yahweh has to say about it. Because it doesn't matter what the Roman Catholics or Orthodox or this church does. What matters is what Yahweh says. And we should always be reforming our understanding based upon the Scripture. We should never think that we've arrived at perfection. We should never think that we can't learn anything. We should constantly be studying the Bible to reform our beliefs and our practices. Does Yahweh forbid the making of any image or likeness? Well, this commandment is found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. And only five short chapters later, in Exodus chapter 25, Yahweh Himself gives another commandment in relation to the building of the tabernacle. In Exodus 25, Yahweh commands that two cherubs of gold be fashioned to go on top of the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was this box, this holy box, and it was the holiest tangible object in Israel's faith. And it was housed, or it lived, in the holiest place on earth under the Mosaic Covenant. A place that was called the Holy of Holies, that was only entered into once a year by one man, the high priest of Israel from the Aaronic lineage. And in this Ark of the Covenant, there were three objects, according to the author of Hebrews. There was a pot of the manna that Yahweh fed the Israelites with for 40 years in the books of Exodus through Deuteronomy. There was Aaron's rod that budded almonds, according to the book of Numbers chapter 17. And then there was the Ten Commandments, the two stone cubes or tablets, the Ten Commandments. That was the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of that Ark set a lid. Sometimes it's called, you may have heard it as the mercy seat. It's actually the mercy covering or the mercy lid. And on top of that lid, there were two statues of cherubs, or people say cherubs, angelic creatures with their wings facing in front and touching each other. That's in Exodus 25. In Exodus 26, Yahweh commands that the curtains for the tabernacle have the design of cherubim, angelic creatures, worked into them. Cherubs are living creatures in the heavens above, and Yahweh commands that images, statues, three-dimensional images, be made 
of these creatures. We also see later on in the stationary tabernacle known as the temple in Jerusalem that King Solomon had two 15-foot tall cherubs built out of olive wood and that the temple walls had carvings and engravings on them of cherubs, palm trees, and flower blossoms. You can read about this in 1 Kings chapter 6. One chapter later in 1 Kings 7, we read about this metal cast reservoir, the laver as the King James Version calls it. It held water that was used for ceremonial washing. And that laver or reservoir stood on top of 12 statues of oxen with their faces out and their backsides in. You can also read there about the water carts for the temple. There were carts of water that held water that were framed and on the frames were pictures of lions, oxen, and cherubim. In 1 Kings 9, Yahweh told Solomon after he built all these things in the temple, he said, Solomon, I've consecrated this temple that you've built. And Yahweh never said one negative word about all the images and likenesses inside of the temple. Now, Catholic and Orthodox Christians point all of this out if you take the time to listen to what they are saying. A lot of times we think anything that the Roman Catholics believe, we don't want to have anything to do with. That's not the attitude that you should take. The attitude should be, what does the Bible say? Because a Roman Catholic can be right on doctrine just like you can. Or a Greek Orthodox believer can be right on doctrine just like you can. It all matters what Holy Scripture says. So Orthodox and Catholics would tell Protestants, they would say, see, all of these things in the Bible in the Old Testament shows that it's not the images or likenesses that are forbidden, but the bowing down to them and the worshiping of them. Now, they would also point out Numbers 21. I want to go there. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Numbers 21, or you can listen to me as I read this. They would point out Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. It's a very peculiar account, but it is biblical. So, in Numbers 21, verse 4, we read, Then they, talking about the children of Israel, They set out from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom. But the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against Elohim and Moses. Why have you led us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread or water and we detest this wretched food. Then Yahweh sent poisonous snakes among the people and they bit them so that many Israelites died. Sometimes Yahweh gets fed up with His people. He's a mighty one of love and mercy, but sometimes He gets fed up and He sends poisonous snakes. Many Israelites died. Verse 7, The people then came to Moses and said, We've sinned by speaking against Yahweh and against you. Intercede with Yahweh so that He will take the snakes away from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Verse 8, Then Yahweh said to Moses, Make a snake image and mount it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. Whenever someone was bitten and he looked at the bronze snake, he recovered. Kind of strange. 
but very biblical. Yeshua the Messiah mentions this account when He spoke with Rabbi Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And He says there in John 3, 14-15, He tells Nicodemus, Just as Moses, or Moshe, lifted up the snake in the wilderness, or the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. So Yeshua equates Himself with the bronze serpent. Just like the Israelites were healed of their snake bites by looking at the bronze snake on the pole, the Israelites will be granted eternal life by looking upon the Son of Man. And I believe that when He says the Son of Man must be lifted up, I think He's talking about on the cross. The same way that the bronze snake was put on a pole and everybody could see, Yeshua was put to death on a tree, stake, or cross. Some people say, well, it wasn't a T-cross. You don't know that. It could have been the Romans used X-crosses, T-crosses, and upright poles for crucifixion. The Romans weren't following Yahweh's law. He could have been crucified on a cross. Nevertheless, Yeshua was put up as a placard for people to see. And if you looked upon Him and believed in what He did for you, you would have eternal life. Just like the Israelites were healed of their snake bites. Again, an image was made at the command of Yahweh. This bronze snake was not worshipped in Numbers 21, but it was looked upon in accordance with the command of Yahweh. Yahweh said, make it, put it on a pole, and anybody that looks at it will be healed. Now, turn to 2 Kings. Look at this. In the book of 2 Kings, chapter 18, we find an account that goes with this, kind of attaches to it. 2 Kings 18, verses 1-4. through says this. Let me take a little drink of water here. Second Kings 18, beginning at verse 1. In the third year of Israel's king, Hoshea, son of Elah, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, became king in Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in Yahweh's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. So don't ever let anybody tell you that nobody can do that which is right in Yahweh's sight. This passage says Hezekiah did it. Verse 4, here's some things that he did. He removed the high places and shattered the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses made. For the Israelites burned incense to it up to that time. And he called it Nehushtan. Now, Nehushtan simply means copper or brass, bronze. And Hezekiah called it copper to remind the Israelites this is just an object. It has no life in it. The people had taken that bronze snake and made it into something that Yahweh did not intend for it to be. They were burning incense to this bronze snake, which was worshiping the image of the snake. In studying the Scriptures, it appears that the Catholics and the Orthodox have a pretty good case for what they do. They acknowledge the commandment, but in light of the totality of Scripture, they believe that the commandment forbids worshiping the images that are made, not the making of the images themselves. Here is where I think they miss something. There is no positive example in all of Scripture of any image being made of Yahweh. There are some negative examples. I'll mention one here in a second. 
But there's no positive examples of any image being made of Yahweh and then using that image to worship Yahweh. There is also no positive example of the early New Covenant church making images or icons of the Messiah to use in their honor of Yeshua. This is where I think that the Catholics and the Orthodox go overboard. Now, it can be argued that an image of Christ or an image of Yeshua is permitted seeing He is a flesh and blood human. And I can't argue against that. But, a few things to keep in mind. Number one, we must still guard against how it is used. And number two, how do we know what He looked like to make an image of Him? Okay, I don't believe in this Vidal Sassoon Jesus that you see on the movies, right? Where they've got this you know, beautiful looking muscular man that's Christ. I've taught on this before and Isaiah 53 says that he actually was not comely to look upon. This is not talking about after he had been beaten, but before in his natural life. So I think that we have images and pictures in our minds of what Yeshua may have looked like, but most of that comes from the ideologies of man's brain and not necessarily you know, what the Scriptures tell us. So we would be on guard there. Um, But I I would not argue against all images or icons of Christ like I would those of Yahweh the Father. Because Yahweh said, I didn't show you any form. I I only spoke. I didn't give you a shape. Don't make an image of me. While some Protestants are too strict to have any images inside of a church setting, I do not believe that that's biblical. I think they're too strict on that. Some Catholics and Orthodox go to the other extreme. And they have images of the Almighty Creator and Christ in the church setting. And the problem is is that I believe that they set a level of affection on such images that I don't believe that Yahweh is always comfortable with. Now they might always come back with this rebuttal. Well, we're not worshiping the icon. We're not worshiping the statue. But at what point does it become worship and thus a sin? At what point does the veneration of image or an icon become the worship of the image or the icon? Now, I went to San Antonio one time, Tisha and I with Brother TJ and his wife, Kim. And during that trip to San Antonio, Texas, I visited the oldest church that I've ever stepped foot in. It was built in the 1500s. It was a Roman Catholic church. And as you walked in, there were many icons many images, and even a bowl of what they called holy water at the beginning, at the entrance of the church. And I remember when I got up to the the front, as I was just browsing and looking around at the architecture, which was great, there was a crucifix, a huge crucifix up at the front. And there was this man that was kneeling down like this and looking at that crucifix. And I wondered when he was going to move because I wanted to get up there and just see what everything looked like, get a bit better close. But he looked at it and he just had his hand on his chest. and I mean, just he was, he was so engrossed in that crucifix. I think that that is wrong. I believe that that is not right. I believe that that is placing an amount of affection on an image of someone that you should honor, venerate, and even worship... Matthew 14.33 says, Then those who were in the boat with Yeshua worshipped Him, saying, Truly, You are the Son of Yahweh. But making an image and taking it to that extent, I believe, is a violation 
of the commandment. Remember, in 2 Kings 18, the Israelites were burning incense. All it says is they had been burning incense to the bronze serpent. Nothing is written about them praying to it or bowing down to it. Yet burning incense to it was looked upon as a sin. And Hezekiah smashed it to pieces. The same snake that Yahweh told Moses to make in Numbers 21, Hezekiah smashed it to pieces because it was being abused. When a person can look at a statue of Mary, what they call the Virgin Mary, prior to her delivery of the Christ child, when a person can look at a statue of the Virgin Mary and say this, Hail Mary, Mother of God, full of grace and truth, and pray to her, is that not crossing the line? When a person can kiss a crucifix in a religious setting, I'm not talking about having a picture of your wife and you hadn't seen her for three years and you're in the military and you kiss the picture and you tell your wife that you love her. That's not a religious setting. When a person can kiss a crucifix in a religious setting of worship, is that not overstepping the bounds of the commandment? None of the images or icons in the Old Testament were used in the proper worship of Yahweh. The images were there. The cherubim, the angelic creatures, they were there. The oxen were there. The bronze snake was there. But the most that we can say is that these images were looked at. They were not kissed. No one bowed before the image. They were not held in the hand next to the heart while an Israelite prayed. They were there. And in this list of images, there was never an approved image of Yahweh the Creator. Can we go above and beyond what Yahweh has commanded and approved of? I do not believe so. While some Protestants may be disallowing less than what Yahweh has allowed, we cannot go beyond what Yahweh has allowed. According to Scripture, we would be allowed to have an image or an icon here in the church setting but one, only to look at for its artistic beauty. Two, to bring remembrance and a great person, or the remembrance of a great person, or occurrence in Scripture, to bring it to our mind. And three, it should never be of Yahweh. So, hypothetically, if someone was to paint a mural of the crossing of the Red Sea there on that wall, there would be nothing wrong with having that here in the church setting. And every time we looked at it, we would remember it would be that story in a picture. We would remember that great deliverance that Yahweh gave to the children of Israel under the hand of Prophet Moshe. Not only do we read about it, but we could remember it through a picture or an icon. The moment we begin worshiping Yahweh, contrary to how He has prescribed, we open up a box that cannot be shut. This is why you see churches today doing everything under the sun in their worship service. You know, I saw two guys, this is going to be funny, and I guess I kind of mean it to be, but I mean it's serious too, but I, I saw a video, so I mean it actually happened at a church here in Atlanta, where these two guys got up on the stage where the pastor preaches, and they rapped at the Sunday morning service about the UGA and Alabama SEC championship. And I just looked and I was like, I can't believe what I'm seeing here. Everybody's in the church and you know, doing, you know, bobbing and weaving and doing all that kind of stuff, whatever they call it nowadays. <laughs> then I saw a video of this pastor fella coming down out of the balcony on a zip line into the pulpit to preach. 
because he wanted to show people how Yeshua would come back, or Jesus, as he said, come back on the clouds. Number one, he was going way too slow. That's not what it's going to look like. <laughs> Number two, it was it's just ridiculous. People just make things up and they think because they mean a lot to me, then it must be okay to do them for the Lord. I made a Facebook post recently and I equated it to a husband and a wife. You know, if I know that my wife, let's say that she loves carrot cake, and I decide to bake her a cake, but instead of bringing her carrot cake that she loves and it's her favorite, I decide that I'm going to bring her key lime pie or let's say something that she doesn't like, but I like. Maybe I ate it with my family. And so I show up and she says, why would you bring me this? You know I don't like this. I said, well, I like it. I thought it would be best for you. I mean, that wouldn't make her feel good, right? And if I wouldn't do that to my wife, how much more should I not do that to Yahweh? That's why there's a problem, brothers and sisters, and this message is not about what I'm about to say, but that is why there is a problem with people bringing Christmas festivities or Halloween festivities into the church. You know, if you want to get together with your family and have a meal around the wintertime and give them a gift, you know, knock yourself out. That's cool. But don't say that it's Yeshua's birthday. I heard on the radio that somebody made Jesus a birthday cake with 33 candles on it the other day. He's not told us to worship Him like that. He's not told us to honor Him like that. We don't get to decide what we do for Him. That's idolatry. Whatever He tells us to do for Him, that's what we do for Him. So it's not Christian to say Merry Christmas. That has nothing to do with the Christian faith. It's not Christian to have you know, a hallelujah party, which is just a, a substitute for a Halloween party on October 31st. That's not, that's not biblical. That's not Christian. That's, that's bringing something into a church setting and trying to honor Yahweh or Yeshua in a way that He has not commanded. Don't do that. That's exactly what the Israelites did in Exodus 32 when they made that golden calf. A lot of people don't understand this, but the Israelites were not making an image or a statue of another Elohim. They were making an image of Yahweh. Now you say, well, they didn't believe Yahweh was a calf. No, but you have to realize in ancient Near Eastern culture, the bull symbolized strength. The oxen was something great to have because it could work. If you stole a man's ox in the Bible, you had to repay him back five ox. But if you stole a man's sheep, you only had to repay him back four sheep. That's because an ox was worth more than a sheep. So a bull symbolized strength and might and dignity. And when they made that golden calf in Exodus 32, Aaron didn't say tomorrow's a feast to the bull god. He said tomorrow's a feast to Yahweh because it was. They were worshiping Yahweh through an image that they had designed to depict their Creator. They were trying to honor their Creator through an image. And a lot of that came out of Egyptian culture which they had been in bondage for hundreds of years. Yahweh got upset. In the end, Moses ground the calf and threw it in the water and made the Israelites drink of it. Smashed it. We don't get to make things how we want them and then say, Yahweh, we love you. 
Yahweh, we come to worship you. No, we do things the way Yahweh has prescribed. And only how He has prescribed. If Yahweh allows images and likenesses in the tabernacle, then so be it. But that doesn't mean we can make an image or likeness of Him who is the Creator. Nor does it mean that we can go beyond looking at such images that He allows, else they would be smashed into pieces like Hezekiah did to the bronze serpent. There are lawful things that we can do outside of a church context. Everything that's lawful may not be expedient, but there are lawful things that we can participate in and do outside of a church context. So you want to go zip lining? Knock yourself out. That's great. But don't bring it to the church. I'm not going to come out off a zip line and come into the pulpit and say, well, this symbolizes the Messiah coming back on the clouds. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. That's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. I believe Yahweh frowns on that. You want to paint a picture or make a carving or form a statue? That is fine. Biblically, that's fine. But don't make one of Yahweh and don't bow down or pray or burn incense to, or kiss in a religious setting, any of the ones that you are allowed to make. It is, it is about, brothers and sisters whom I love dearly, it is about what makes Yahweh comfortable. It is not about what you want. When it comes to worship of Yahweh, it is not about what you want. It is about what He wants and what He commands. It's not about what it means to you. It's about what it means to Yahweh. How would my wife feel if I wanted to celebrate her anniversary, mine and her anniversary, on the date of an old girlfriend? And I wanted her to wear the color that the old girlfriend loved to wear. And I wanted her to wear the perfume that the old girlfriend used to wear. How do you think that will make my wife feel? I'll tell you how it will make her feel. I'd be in the doghouse, probably the jailhouse, right? Because that would be, it would be ridiculous. Listen, I'm talking to you. I'm trying to. I'm trying to show you a point. She wouldn't. She wouldn't approve of that. And if I wouldn't do that to my wife, and I wouldn't, how much more would I not do that to my Creator? Worship Him how He has commanded us to be to worship Him. We should respect His decisions. Do what He says. Allow what He allows. Don't go beyond it. And don't condemn someone who stays in the parameters of the law. Even if you personally refrain, don't condemn someone who stays in the parameters of the law. A lot of people have faith to their self and do things because they know that the law of Yahweh does not condemn them. And that's okay. Just because it rubs you the wrong way or ruffles your feathers doesn't mean they're in sin if they're not violating the law of Yahweh. So some Protestants, I believe, are too strict on images and icons. And some Catholics and Orthodox, I believe, are not strict enough. We should always examine our practices in light of Holy Scripture. At least we add to or take away from the law of Yahweh. Deuteronomy 4 verse 2 says we're not to do that. This commandment says that Yahweh is a jealous mighty one. Let's not provoke our mighty one to jealousy with an image or a likeness. As the end of the second commandment says, and I'll close with this, the word of Yahweh says this, For I, Yahweh, your Elohim, am a jealous Elohim. Punishing the children for the father's sin to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Do you want your children to be punished for your sin? I don't. Repent. Beg for Yahweh's forgiveness. Change your ways. Because then he says, I show faithful love to a thousand generations to those who love me.
and keep my commandments. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Yahweh, help us to study Your Word and be obedient. Help us to flee from idolatry. Help us to examine our lives to see if there's anything in it that is not honoring to You. Let us not idolize, but let us devote ourselves to You and Your commandments. I love you and I thank you and I praise you. Through your Son I pray. Amen.